Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Now sometimes it's hard to imagine that we will see God as He promises. Sometimes that meeting with Him in heaven seems so far off that it becomes hard to even look forward to it. As we go through each day, we usually act as though this world will go on forever. We seek out things to do or things are given for us to be done that fill up each and every day. And those things that fill up one day, they bleed into the next. And we end up like a mouse with its head to the ground, scrambling from one thing to the next, looking for crumbs and fighting for survival. We fill our days with things that are good to do. And sometimes we fill our, things, our, our days with things that if they were brought to the light, we would be ashamed of. Yes, even people in the church struggle with temptations to shameful things. That is why Paul had to write our epistle lesson to people that called themselves and were Christians. Paul wrote, The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will raise us up by his power. In other words, don't forget that. Don't forget that God is going to raise you up. And then he says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Now Paul wrote this to church members who at times appeared to grow weary of waiting for the Lord's return. Some couldn't wait for the joy of heaven, so they sought heaven in sexual pleasure. Now today, pornography is even more prevalent uh, and sought out than, than prostitution was in first century Corinth. But Paul tells those Christians, and he tells us today, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you have from God? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. You see, sexual immorality, sex outside the bonds of marriage between a man and a woman, in thought, word, or deed, is not only harmful, it is an imitation of God's good gifts. It takes us away from the Lord, who purchased us from our sin, so that we could be with Him in heaven, where all sin, and all causes of sin will be taken away for good. Now the point I'm making 
is that it can be hard to wait for the Lord. Because sometimes it seems like we have so much to do. And there are all sorts of things offering the peace that Jesus alone desires to give. Now in word and sacrament. And then fulfilled on the last day. When those gifts that he gives us complete their work in our lives. And he takes us to a meeting with him face to face. One last thing I would like to mention that seems to dash our hopes that God will ever deliver us. That's the events of this world. The plagues, the endless internal and external fighting of our nation, the worldliness of our leaders, corruption in our schools, and all the other stuff that beat you down personally, broken relationships, uh, unmet expectations, you name it. The stuff that beats us down. When we look at all of those things, sometimes a person can be so beat down that it's really hard to imagine a day when all this bad stuff is going to stop. It's a lot easier to imagine tears. And it's easy to imagine trying to quell those tears with worldly distraction. But it's hard to remember the promise that says this. God himself will wipe away every tear from your eyes. Sometimes that day seems so far away to wait for. And sometimes that day, sometimes it seems too good to be true. That little intro puts us in the mindset of Nathaniel in our gospel lesson today. From what we can gather, Nathaniel was a believer who was waiting for the day when God would keep his promise and send his son to be the promised Messiah. It's also easy to gather from our gospel reading that Nathaniel was not just a person who had heard about the Messiah but never really contemplated it. No. He was someone who confessed a hope in God's promise, just like you. It's also easy to see from our reading that the day-to-day jobs, distractions, worldly circumstances put a cynicism in Nathaniel that sometimes made it hard for him to believe that this hope would actually come to fruition. But little did he know that with every single step Jesus of Nazareth took towards Galilee, God was keeping his promise that Nathanael knew applied to him. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and he said to him, follow me. Nathaniel's brother Philip was the first to meet Jesus. Or we should say that Jesus first revealed himself to Philip, Nathaniel's brother. 
The scripture then mentions that Philip and Nathaniel are both from the same town of, as Andrew and Peter. All four of these men would become apostles, the church's first pastors, and they all lived in the same small town. Why do I point that out? Well, it is no coincidence that these men were so quick to follow Jesus. I imagine that they all went to the same synagogue and had the same pastor or the same priest. And week after week, I imagine that this particular pastor was preaching the promise of the Messiah to these four men who were eagerly awaiting for it to come true. My prayer for all Christians is that you would be able to gather around preaching that continues to point to the same Jesus and the same hope that we have in him. As soon as Philip finished talking with Jesus, he had to share the good news with his brother. So Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. I can only imagine the wide-eyed look on Philip's face as he's talking to his brother. The look of someone sharing such good news that they can hardly believe it themselves. I imagine the uh, that I and most, fa most of fathers had that same kind of look on their faces when holding their firstborn child in their arms. I remember holding my son and I just couldn't, I couldn't talk to him. I just kept going, holy crap, holy crap. I couldn't believe that this guy was here. I imagine that's the kind of look that Philip had. But Nathaniel meets his brother who has the look of joy on his face with these words. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? I understand Nathaniel here. It's hard to be joyful. It's hard to trust. We don't want to be hurt and we don't want to look like fools. And I, but I also commend Philip's answer to his brother's question. Philip simply says to him, come and see. This reminds me of a point in my life where I was really disillusioned with the church. The church I was attending was, a preaching, was preaching things that seemed to me to contradict the Bible. I complained to my friend and wondered out loud if I was going crazy, if I did not understand what the scriptures were saying. Eventually my friend said to me, you can come, out, you can come and check out my church if you like. And like Nathaniel, I went to his Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod congregation for the first time. The rest is history, as they say. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him. 
And he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus' words of words about Nathanael showed that Nathanael was a man who admitted his wrongs, who confessed his sins, and spoke the truth about the coming Messiah. But his question, how do you know me, showed that Nathanael still doubted his brother's claims. They were still too good to be true. Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened. And the angels of God you will see descending and ascending on the Son of Man. Nathanael could not by his own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ his Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit, using his brother Philip, called him by the gospel. And when he met God's son, who had no appearance that would make Nathanael go after him, when he met him, he believed by the word that spoke a word that saw him in his situation. Jesus knows where you are this morning. He knows all the things that fill up your calendar. He knows the temptations that you have when you seek refuge from the storm. He knows that to us, things look so bleak at times that it's hard to believe that any good will come out of the pains that we endure. He knows. He knows. He knows. And he comes to the towns that we live in. He still comes to us in the message spoken to us by our family members or those who speak of him, maybe our friends, those who speak of him and then invite us to church saying, come and see. And Jesus still comes to us in the Gospels proclaimed by our pastors who give us bread and wine where Jesus' own words speak. This is my body. This is my blood given and shed for you. And we still echo Nathaniel's words in response. You are the Son of God. We meet the same Jesus that Nathaniel met, and we know him, and he knows us. Even though, and we know that even though he meets us in the means of grace that hide his awesome glory. 
Like Nathaniel, we now know that the Son of God walks with us. It is true. Our joy is not complete. It is true. We're still tempted to doubt. Even as the disciples who walked with Jesus doubted all along. It it is true. It is still hard to imagine the day when Jesus will take us will take off the veil completely so that we will be overcome with the joy of his presence swallowed up with that joy but on days like this today when we hear his gospel and meet him through his word we take a moment and we stop our foolish rat race in, in our, our sometimes foolish pursuits. And our heads are lifted up. And we're reminded. We're reminded of God our Father. And of his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Who died in our place. And rose so that we could have union Union with him in the communion of the saints where we receive the forgiveness of sins so that on that last day we will become, we will be overcome with joy at the resurrection of the body and the first day of the life everlasting. As we walk with lifted heads towards heaven, I pray that our Lord would use us to share with the world that this hope is not just for me. I pray that our Lord would make us like Philip and that his words, Philip's words, would echo from our lips as we say to others who are disillusioned by the distress and also the pleasures of this world. That like Philip, until the day that we see Jesus in heaven, we too would say, come and see. And now may the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.